So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take the Cybertrolls core rulebook and then you mold it towards what best works with the setting you are trying to portray. The core rulebook gives you some ideas about it. And at this point, there's a lot of other products you can just look at and see what did they change? What did they add? What did they remove? to make it work. And that is how Savage Worlds is supposed to be used. It's not truly a generic system. It's more like this is the baseline. And then we're going to give you some ideas of how you can mold that so it portrays what you actually want it to be. Hi, welcome to the Daiku Podcast. I'm Gary Snow and with me is Manuel Sams. Now, Manuel has done some really great work with the uh, Sprawl Runners game. It's a platinum bestseller on Drive-Through RPG and has won awards from the uh, Pinnacle Entertainment Group as far as their swag program goes. And it's a really neat, interesting product. And I'm really hoping to dig into it today. And uh, Manuel, welcome. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Great pleasure to be here. Hi, Deku Games fans. Um, so lovely of you to listen to me. <laughs> Well, and, awesome. Ma and, and Manuel, you're uh, contacting us through German Germany today, right? Uh, so where are you in Germany? Yeah, born and raised uh, German. I live in Munich currently and have basically all my life, although I was uh, actually raised slightly outside of, of Munich, what Americans would probably call the metropolitan area of it. So, what so was that it like? is, uh, for everybody who doesn't know Munich, that is uh, southern Germany in the state of Bavaria, Oktoberfest. Oktoberfest. Now you know. And I was there uh, in, when I was 21 or so. I uh, Not for Oktoberfest, but I was in Munich, beautiful city, and you got the uh, cuckoo clock. So it's <laughs> quite beautiful. Funny but... enough, the, uh, the cuckoo clock is not a German invention. That is actually Swiss. Okay, cool. Well, you guys uh, are may have improved upon it. And what are you drinking today? Uh, the whiskey of the night is a 10-year-old Benaromach that is a space-side single malt scotch. Nice. And that's no product placement here. You're not sponsored by <laughs> None it. None at all. We, <laughs> if he gets paid for, for my product placement, um, I, I hope I get my share. Cool. So... How was it growing up in Germany as far as role-playing games and like how did you get into it and what kind of community is there? It's a lot different than what people expect if you're talking to, for example, an American, because if you're talking to an American about role-playing games, they're like, oh yeah, I played D&D in high school. And D&D did not exist in Germany when I grew up. It well, you could you could go out to very specialized shops and purchase it, but it had no market dominance over here whatsoever. What we did have was um, Das Schwarze Auge, which um, exists in an English version. It's called the Dark Eye uh, over there. And then a long, long, long draught of nothing. And then there was Shadowrun and the World of Darkness products. And my point of entry to the role-playing game market was Shadowrun. I think it was about 14 or something. Something that must have been 94 or 95. And a friend of mine from school um, asked around, like, hey, I, I've got this cool book, and it's a game, and it's kind of collaborative, and we do cool stuff, and you get to blow up shit. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear here. Sure. 
<laughs> so yeah, and we were like, uh, me and a few friends were like, oh yeah, cool, that sounds interesting. So what do we do? And that was the Shadowrun second edition core rulebook. And from there, it just snowballed into, uh, oh, you are the guy who has great ideas. So why don't you stop playing and and start running games? So basically a year later, I had become, even if I didn't know it back then, the forever GM. And so what what kind of drew you to that? Like, do you like the creative process of like being the GM and like inventing the stories and the adventures for people to go through? Like what and how did that lead into you starting to design games? That has been that has changed over the years. Uh, in the beginning, it was just having friends i was kind of an outsider back in school and just having a close circle of friends with a a shared commonality like a like a pen and paper game something to to get together and have fun uh fun with that was really all the motivation i needed so back then i literally ran everything by the book and and from the book and it took years to evolve from that into designing my own campaigns, running my own missions in Shadowrun and not going from stuff that was in the books, trying other uh, role-playing games. I think that took like four or five years before I actually uh, uh, played in a game of Germany's biggest and best-selling role-playing game, The Dark Eye. And from there, I just spiraled into trying everything because i got really really curious i had started with shadowrun and the dark eye has a very different rule system was like oh wow this is super different so let's see how other games do it and there was some some really it was some really interesting stuff that i played including the uh, man in black role-playing game there is an officially licensed man in black the movie uh role-playing game which is really funny it has tables for gear you can throw together you then have to test in the field and you do- won't know what it does until you pull the trigger or push the button super funny ideas and from there it kind of gradually shifted me into a more creative approach towards role-playing games but me actually making stuff for the public didn't happen until 20 i oh, 2010 something but like my my biggest achievements brawl runners which we're going to talk about later stemmed from a shadowrun conversion that i did way back in the day and that one wasn't even meant for for publication that was just something i made for a close group of friends um, who played role-playing games together and we got a bit bored and fed up with the the power creep and gear porn of the traditional shadowrun system and at that point i had discovered savage worlds through another friend it was like this is flexible enough so let's just see what happens if i try to make Shadowrun work with this. So that is what then became uh, the now kind of infamous uh, Savage Shadowrun second edition. And when you uh, started in the process of choosing um, Savage Worlds as the system, like just sell us on Savage Worlds. Like I think it's an underappreciated system. I mean, it's it obviously has its fans, but Sometimes I think people just go out oh, to a generic system and eh, whatever, but just sell us on that. Tell people why they should be uh, checking it out a little bit more. Okay, so uh, I came to Savage Worlds. That was basically coincidence. 
And I'm super happy that it happened because ever since then, Savage Worlds has been my go-to system. I, I'm still playing and trying other systems, but every time I do, I, I find myself in situations where I think, we could have been done with all of this in, if, it, 10 minutes ago if we just used Savage Worlds and we would have had the same amount of role-playing and the same amount of fun, even, or, or possibly even more fun because the mechanics wouldn't be uh, in the way or wouldn't drag it out so much. So yeah, as you already said, a lot of people just look at, at Savage Worlds as a generic system. That is actually kind of incorrect. The way uh, Clint Black, the uh, line developer of, of Savage World, says, it's a core system. So what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to take the Savage World's core rulebook and then you mold it towards what best works with the setting you are trying to portray. The core rulebook gives you some ideas about it. And at this point, there's a lot of other products you can just look at and see what did they change? What did they add? What did they remove to make it work? And that is how Savage Worlds is supposed to be used. It's not truly a generic system. It's more like this is the baseline. And then we're going to give you some ideas of how you can mold that so it portrays what you actually want it to be. And they've done that in a way that is so incredibly flexible that you can make it run everything. There, is, there are um, people in the Savage Worlds community, and they are not wrong. Let me just say that. Let's say you can every, run everything with the Savage Worlds core rulebook. I agree. That is true. But I also say, you are going to rob yourself of the potential of Savage Worlds if you do that. It is meant to be expanded upon. And because the core systems are so incredibly flexible and easy to modify, and because there's a huge community of very, very creative and helpful people out there that help you in that process, it's really, really easy to adapt it to really anything from classic high power fantasy to some dark, grim and gritty fantasy to modern games um, to like slightly advanced modern games or modern superpowers games like there's stuff like Titan Effect, which is if you know uh, the, the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you could portray that with using Titan Effect, but you would be robbing yourself of playing Titan Effect. Check it out. It's awesome. I'm not getting paid for pitching that but it's one of my favorite settings for the system and it just shows how what how it just shows what great things you can do by molding the core book and in the case of titan effect the superpowers companion to the setting you want to portray and from there you can go to um opera sci-fi or technically even hard sci-fi i've seen people run hard sci-fi settings with uh, savage worlds because the rules allow you to portray even stuff like gravity or loss of oxygen. It's a bit of a mind flip for most people because they are used to huge books, giving them tables and tables and tables of modifiers for each given situation. And that is the exact opposite of what Savage Worlds does. Savage Worlds gives you core mechanics that apply to situations. And all you need to do is pick the right subsystem for the situation at hand. 
and everything else falls into place from that because you need very little modifiers of like penalties and bonuses what little there is you can uh, build yourself through edges and hindrances so there is a bit of an invest if you want to run your own setting if you don't um, have a pre-made book then yes you are going to have to sit down understand the core systems to adapt them to what you do so it is not as always as easy as just picking up the book and running it which is possible but you won't be getting the full potential savage worlds has to offer and once you accept that that it is very different from how other systems behave and let it flow and let it unfold to work its magic to use a little prose then you will discover just how insanely good the system can be and granted that doesn't work for everyone. There are people that enjoy the GURPS approach with very, very minute details for everything. And that's perfectly fine. But I believe a lot of people just shy away from it because they think it's a generic system and therefore think it's kind of boring because it wants to cater to everything. And CyberTools doesn't want to cater to everything. It gives you the potential to run everything. And I believe that is a huge difference and the single most biggest strength the system has. And the uh, for those that don't know, there's the the suede edition, which is the uh, Savage World Adventure edition, and that's the their most recent version of it. And then it's got basically the core rules, and they've got some other versions for you know here superheroes and uh, um, I think fantasy. They have a, another edition, so there's other add-ons to that. But the core the core rules are in the suede. Now, when you started in to do Sprawl Runners. How did you approach the, uh, what, what do you leave in? What do you leave out? And like, how cumbersome of that process was it for the edges and hindrances and that kind of thing? What, what process did you go through internally to figure that out? Um, that is, <laughs> that's a loaded question because, well, Sprawl Runners didn't start out as, as Sprawl Runners. So I may be taking away to a point you wanted to get to a bit later, but yeah. otherwise I can't <laughs> answer the question. Um, Sprawl Runners started out as a Shadowrun conversion or rather a, a companion, as I called it. Um, because, well, no, that's not true. It started out, uh, out as a conversion back when it started. It was, uh, it, I just called it Savage Shadowrun because it wasn't meant for publication. So I just needed a snazzy title for our group. And it was, it was abysmal. It was, it was horrible. It was one of the worst things in my design career that I have ever written. And I am so happy that no copies of that exist anymore. The, the, uh, the most recent version or the the uh, the most earliest version of it i could recover from somewhere was version uh, 0, 0.0 and i know that i started at point 0.1 and point 0.1 was an was a moloch of translated systems that were just taken one to one from shadowrun and mashed into savage worlds and that is one of the biggest mistakes you can make when transferring anything into savage worlds or building something in savage worlds like there is a um a saying in the savage worlds uh, creator community and that is translate the, uh, the setting not the rules and that is what I did at first. I translated the rules and it was it was absolutely horrible. It was like, I think, 90 pages just full of this is how you do the exact thing you are doing in Shadowrun, but 
by rolling Savage Worlds dice, which is absolutely horrible because it it doesn't help. It doesn't it doesn't support. It just tells you how to roll different dice. And it took me about a year, I think, a year and a half, and um, some contact with other creators that I realized how bad that product was that I had made. And from there, I started to... First, I started to to rework it. I'm like, okay, let me get this closer to Savage Worlds until I realized everything in here has to go. And then I started with an absolute blank slate. And this was back in the uh, Savage Worlds uh, deluxe times where the, um, the core rulebook wasn't as good with explaining on how to use the systems. It made a lot of assumptions and Suede has gone, is, is ways better in, in doing that. So I needed a bit of outside help back there. And that helped me to take a look, not at the Shadowrun system, but at the Shadowrun setting. Extract from there, how does the world work in Shadowrun? Okay, so it behaves in a certain way. What systems in Savage Worlds can I use in a in a specific way to model that? And that means that that meant that some things I just left out because they made sense in Shadowrun, but they didn't make sense or weren't fun to use in Savage Worlds. If you know both Shadowrun and Savage Worlds, then uh, now you will be able to follow me. If not, I apologize. Uh, in Shadowrun, you summon spirits, and then depending on how many successes you roll, they owe you services, which is something I just flat removed from my conversion. And back then is when I started calling it a companion because it wasn't a conversion anymore. It was an adaptation of the Shadowrun world and setting into Savage Worlds, but it had only very loose connections to the actual rules. So in, in, in my companion was like, okay, yeah, you, you summon a spirit. And um, the as per the summon ally power of Savage Worlds, that means it stays for a certain duration. And because I was using uh, an, an optional rule, which are called setting rules in Savage Worlds, which is one of the major points uh, you can you can dial stuff up and down in uh, in your specific setting or introduce unique effects. Uh, I was using the setting rule no power points means there is no meant there is no mana, there is no limit for certain things like maintaining spells. Like cool. So you if you if you summon a spirit, it's just there. And it will be there until it is either killed or dispelled or until certain trigger things happen that I then introduced. Like uh, that is something that I took from uh, from Shadowrun. In Shadowrun, if a shaman summons a spirit, it stays until either sunrise or sundown, whichever comes first. So that I took over. But then you had a spirit that was basically permanent without limits because the services didn't exist. It would just keep following your orders until, well, it was killed, dispelled, or sunrise or sundown in case of a shaman spirit. So I needed something else to make it a bit less an I win button or like an absolute no brainer. So compared to Shadowrun spirits, which are notoriously hard to kill and can wipe a group if they don't have a mage or a uh, a physical adept, the spirits in Savage Shadowrun were a lot more squishy, but then you could just summon a new one and all it would take you was one action. So that is one example of how I changed certain things 
and balanced it within Savage Worlds, but tried to keep the feeling of the Shadowrun world alive. Okay, then now it's probably maybe a good time. I'm gonna uh, share on my screen here, Sprawl Runners, and we can just kind of maybe walk through it and uh, just talk a little bit about it as far as, so what version of this is like with all the iterations, like how many years now has it been since you started it to where it is now? I started building Savage uh, Shadowrun in 2012, late 2012. And I released Sprawl Runners in 2019. And at the point I released it, I had been working on it as Sprawl Runners for two years, I believe. So the, uh, the backstory of that is um, that um, Savage Shadowrun um grew in in capability and i i got to a point where i thought this is a solid product and really works well with with shadowrun uh with shadowrun with with and re works really well with the with the savage world system so maybe i should show this to some people and outside of my creator circle and and see what they think so i showed it around and everyone was like yeah okay i'm gonna run this for my group I'm sold. So I was like, okay, maybe some more people would enjoy this. So I started uh, to post it on on a blog and in on certain websites that had Cyber World's creator stuff on it. And from there, it 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 grew in popularity, and I gathered a kind of a fan following, so to speak, if I wouldn't have called it that back then. And then in 2017, I was on version, I think, zero point. 12 because i was scared of calling it a final version <laughs> um i uh was uh contacted to take it down due to licensing reasons which was absolutely uh which was i'm not gonna call it fine because it sucked for me but from a legal standpoint they were absolutely correct uh in in asking me that but at the same time or or a bit later i think um savage worlds k or rather pinnacle um pinnacle entertainment group the um, people who create savage worlds create and publish uh came up with the savage worlds adventurers guild so i thought okay i have this product that is very good at running shadowrun so what if i just file off the serial numbers rework it a bit and then publish it on the adventurers guild and uh, have a generic cyberpunk with magic um supplement and that was 2017 and from there i gathered more people that helped me uh, some co-writers some people who helped me with the layout and it took another two years to actually um, come to the point where it was in 2019 when I released it or where it is now still because there have not been any uh, substan substantial iterations, only minor bug fixes and 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 a few up um, like spelling mistakes and such that we changed. Most of the those two years I've been battling with getting it to to print. And um, you wouldn't know it if you compared the two um, just from looking at them because what you see in Sprawl Runners is a layout that um, was originally made by uh, Jetty, Jan Yetma. And uh, yeah, he did an absolute amazing job. And the original Savage Shadowrun was, well, it was a Shadowrun conversion. So it lost lots of Shadowrun fan art uh, from the uh, official 
uh, Catalyst Game Labs uh, fan packages, which of course I couldn't reuse. So pretty much all artwork in Sprawl Runners you see is stock art um, with some exceptions which are not stock art but just free artwork like the backgrounds for topics and the page backgrounds and such and that was done by by jetty and the original um savage um shadowrun had a full page background from uh, from uh, from stock art and it had like this this uh, bluish i'm not sure if it had a matrix theme like the matrix number theme but um, yeah, like a high-tech background. And um, I, I asked Jetty, okay, cool. I, I really like the optics of that, of the, the blue and the technical, the way that ma makes it look high-tech. So please keep that and, um, then, and, and do something with that. So what he then came up with was, uh, okay, cool, we can do that, but maybe we should do something for the the top and, and the bottom of the page to make it a bit more have it more distinct edges and um have somewhere we can we can put a menu not really a menu that came later but where we can put like kind of indexes so people know which chapter they're in at the moment and i thought about that and was like okay cool can we do something something else high techy with and um jetty actually had the idea to do the the rusted metal background um that we now see at the uh, the page top and page bottom and at as background for for full page artwork you he was like yeah um i mean yeah cool uh, shadowrun or not shadowrun <laughs> is is high tech yeah sure but it's also you play people who live on the streets in in the gritty parts of town where it's always dirty and there's always wind blowing around trash so maybe we should incorporate that into the layout and then he made a few mock-ups and the one you see in the actual book is one of those mock-ups i was like this looks amazing this is contrast and it just makes it look a lot more dirty while not sacrificing the high-tech idea so the the whole idea of trash and chrome he basically nailed it and i was i was hooked on that it was like yep cool that is how we do it and then we had in the beginning we had um the chapter markers at the top and those were just chapter markers and then um uh, Christian, who publishes, writes and publishes Titan Effect, made a advanced version of his PDF with an interactive menu. Uh, I'm not sure if it is also at the top of the page, but it isn't. Everything in his book in his PDF is bookmarked, so you you basically never really need to scroll. You just click around, and it was awesome. So I was like, yeah, I want that. <laughs> Make that happen. It's essentially like a website. You can click on the uh, navigation at the top and. And go to those different chapters but i stopped here on the uh, the hindrances and um the edges because i've looked into my even myself i was like oh maybe shadow or sorry savage world is maybe a good system that other people could leverage you know it's like an, it's not a true srd as far as like you still have to uh connect with the uh, pinnacle entertainment group to do it but when you look at the core rules and what they put together in the adventure edition, the suede ed edition, and then what you're able to present, that's the, the part that I always found confusing because like you don't, you're not supposed to replicate their rules, 
because you know you're not supposed to copy and paste the rules you're supposed to use their adventure edition rules but there's if there's differences then you have to call them out um with your setting and so how much work or difficulty did you find to figure out what should go where and what should be left out interesting very interesting question i actually have to think about that for a bit because at the mo at the moment i don't find it hard at all but that is after a journey of 10 years to get to the point i am <laughs> So now I need to try to remember <laughs> what Manuel in 2017 was thinking about that. Well, just like as an example, like I think in the Adventure Edition, they have something similar to Jinxed, if not Jinxed itself. And so how do you how do you go, okay, I'm going to put that in mind in, and instead of just referring back to their rule book. And that's the difficulty I've found when i ever think about going i'm going to make a you know savage world setting and i it gets complicated because i'm like well maybe i should not put any of their rules and maybe i should just strictly go with setting but then i am of the opinion it. sorry i'm of the opinion uh, I, i'm a minimalist um i think the less you put you, you put in or remove the better but there are others with with uh, different uh, approaches and it works well for them. Minimalism works for me. Your example of Jinx is actually um, a, it blurs the line because when I started making Sprawl Runners, Savage Worlds Adventure Edition wasn't out yet. So there are some things in there that I made with only uh, Savage Worlds Deluxe as a basis. And Jinx incidentally is very close to a hindrance that exists in suede and didn't exist in deluxe but at the point i release i reworked sprawl runners to suede and then released it i had already put so much work into it and um, a lot of people have had access to it for playtesting. i decided to not remove jinx intentionally because there were people with active groups running sprawl runners and i didn't want to put anyone in a situation where they would have to rethink how their character work works even for a small portion of of, of a minor hindrance just because the core rulebook does, does something that i already had in and mechanically it's still different enough for that i thought it was it was okay in there but if i were to write sprawl runners again from scratch for savage world's adventures edition then jinx as a hindrance would not exist because it's just as you said it's too similar to something that that already exists in the core rulebook and yeah i i don't like to to reinvent the wheel if there's a hindrance in in the core book that does what i want then i will just use that i can give you another example with uh with edges because I use a different system that does not rely on money, but instead it's a, it's a point system, and which um, I was inspired to by, again, by Titan Effect. Again, I am not sponsored by <laughs> Night Errant Media, I swear. Um, and um, the, uh, and uh, I wanted a way for, for the runners to, to have more of those points. So I could have made my own edge for that because it is not money. But Savage Worlds has edges that modify how much income 
and money for for gear uh, a character has and that are the rich and filthy rich edges so i could have made two i could have made more edges and just said yeah ignore rich and filthy rich use mine instead but why bother so i just said yeah cool rich and filthy rich still exist just ignore the the, the rules from the core book it's it, they work like this in this setting because the way they work in the core book doesn't make sense if you use them with the setting that doesn't use money and, and that's so, the process to arrive to pro the process to arrive at the point where where you can confidently do this is it's long it's tedious and it's very painful because you have as a creator i believe you have a lot of you have lots of ideas and and you want to you want to leave your mark you want something to feel like like you made it and and you want people to to read it and feel like oh yeah this guy absolutely poured himself into the product and and you can see that and i feel like some uh, some creators make the mistake of thinking that that has to apply to the mechanics as well and they change way more of the mechanics than is actually needed to make their setting work yeah, and I, I think I've heard that from a lot of the people at, uh, you know, Pinnacle um, that they've said, like, you know, the system's been around for, uh, well, let's say just for 20 years or so, and that it's been play tested quite a bit and the people know what what works and for you to come up with new edges that have not been created before or done before is probably pretty rare at this point. So there's no need to like purposely like, uh, try to reinvent the wheel and actually you should take advantage of the fact that there's all these uh hindrances edges whatever the case might be that you can already kind of use within the system and then you can really focus on the the creative part of the storytelling um in the the setting itself but uh from an outsider's point of view and, and i'm glad you answered the question is because i saw it and i was like i don't even i don't even know where to when leaves off and when starts and and uh, how to approach it. So with that said, you're in the SWAG program, which is the Adventures Guild program. And there's also an ACE program. And do you know the difference between them that you could uh, tell us uh, which, like if somebody's thinking about doing a Savage World game, what they should do? So there's like three iterations of publishing material for Savage Worlds uh, that um, Pinnacle has official licenses for. The smallest one so to speak is the fan license which allows you to publish anything you come up with original works based on the core rule book but you have to publish them for free you can publish them anywhere you want but it you cannot charge money for it then there is the adventurer's guild where you can charge money for what you make but you have a few more restrictions because uh, for once you can only sell on drive-through RPG through the community creator publisher program. Swag is a community creator publisher program. And um, you, um, you also ha mostly have to do uh, your own material. You cannot reference anything from uh, published pinnacle settings, but, and, I mean, yeah, that is kind of similar to, to the fan license. You could publish for other settings that are not yours if you have permission. But the main difference is, yeah, you you have to publish on drive through RPG, but you can charge money for it. That is 
the swag program and that is how i uh, publish my works and then the third and or highest uh, tier is the ace license and aces are fully licensed um, publishers which means they can publish whatever they they publish and have the rights to do so obviously they cannot just start publishing for established pinnacle settings like deadlands or something they would have to ask permission first of course but aces generally don't do that they have their own settings uh, they publish and they can just sell anywhere they want if they sell on drive through rpg they have to give a certain percentage of uh, the of the sale income to pinnacle and if they sell sell outside of drive through rpg they don't they can they, they can pocket what whatever they earn. So if they if you are a, an ace licensee and you just sell only via your own website or your own web store, cool. You keep every single penny um, you earn, and um, you basically only have to be um, verified as an ace licensee once, and after that you can just keep publishing. With swag, it's technically a bit more restrictive because um, stuff has to be uh, approved by Pinnacle. I am not quite sure if they actually do that or if they have a background process or if everything just gets auto-approved after uh, DriveThru has checked it for, uh, for, for technical problems. I'm actually not that sure in that regard. So yeah, if you, if you want to start out your your publishing career, uh, this is a topic that where I uh, am deviating a bit from straw runs because there's uh, I, I I could talk a lot about this topic alone. Um, as a generic advice for if you want to start publishing, this doesn't apply to Savage Worlds. This this applies to everything. In my opinion, you have to be known in the community before you start publishing. If you are like a a, a big shot um, a big shot publisher, then cool. You can absolutely just barge into the market, throw around marketing money, and then say, "Here's this book, buy it." But that is not how most publishers operate these days, because well, you mostly don't really get to make a living off of pen and paper products these days. So, insert yourself into the community, find out how they tick. And just just become a name. Uh, the reason why Sprawl Runners is, or all of my products really are as successful as they are, in my opinion, is because I was a known quantity years before I published my first product. I, as I, over, because of the development of of Savage Shadowruns Second Edition, I I delved deep into the Savage Worlds communities at that point, which then became create uh, in, like. A bit of an inner circle of creators way back then it was like seven years ago or something and um but people saw that i was active and i was active on the forums i was active on the facebook group i was active on the uh unofficial savage worlds discord server and whenever anyone had problems or had had an answer had, had a question then um yeah, I, I I was basically living in there, so there was a good chance they would get an answer from me, and people noticed that stuff, so they knew. Okay, there's this guy, who's who who likes to help. He's super supportive. He uh, he's also the guy that if you publish something that he considers to be uh, improvable or improve worthy, he will tell you that. <laughs> and if he thinks what you published is bad, he will tear you to shreds, which 
is fair. I may have been a bit overly zealous in, in, in my crusade to push people towards better quality or what I perceived as better quality. And I very, I'm very much aware that I probably, or no, that I wasn't always right. Not, not just probably, I wasn't always right. I projected a lot of my ideal idea of how Savage Worlds was to be used on how I, I tried to help people. But I always conducted myself in at least what I perceived to be a, a respectful manner. And um, from that, I, I also wrote a few reviews and everything. And yeah, people just knew my name. They knew, oh, yeah, Manuel. Yeah, that's that guy. That, that's the Shadowrun guy. But they also knew, yeah, just talk to him. He does that Shadowrun thing and he knows a lot. So that is how people knew me before I even started publishing anything. And the the first thing I, I ever published on um, on Swag was a very small supplement called uh, Distant Journeys, which stemmed from a discussion I had with some friends on the Savage Worlds Discord server. Um, uh, there is a system to simulate uh, long overland travels in, what was it? Uh, the One Ring, which is the official Lord of the Rings uh, role-playing game. And somebody described how it worked. And I was like, that's really cool and really neat. And that is something you, uh, you, you can do in Savage Worlds, but some people could probably use a few pointers to see how to actually make the subsystems work and do that. So I gathered the ideas that were flowing around and I uh, wrote it up and made a small, a, small, um, a small product out of it. It is three pages long. And uh, then, of course, I got permission from everybody who contributed because that would have been like a really rude thing. Like, hey, thanks for all of your ideas. Now I'm going to make money from it. So, yeah, uh, everybody that that contributed to that is acknowledged um, in, in the PDF. And, yeah, I put that up on, on Swag and, 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 and posted on the forums and on Facebook like, hey, I, I, I made... Um, I made this cool little thing and uh, it's, it's usable. It's written with a bit of fantasy setting in the, in, in, in mind, but you can probably adapt that to, to modern and, and sci-fi uh, as well really easily. Yeah. Just check it out. Let me know what you think. It costs $1. And uh, I sold, hang on a second. Let me look that up. Sure. Um, and while you're looking that up, um, maybe we can just talk a little bit about, the finances of it all as far as you know i think a lot of people starting into the game design world say well i'm going to invent the next dungeons and dragons right and i'm going to be <laughs> a millionaire before you know it and uh but there's a lot of people that are supplementing their like normal income uh through you know products like this where you you are able to you know, scrape, scrape a little bit of extra and you build up your career and build up your products over time is, is that a model that you, and you know, like you said, building community around you, is that a, a good strategy or a recommended strategy from your perspective? I can't really comment on trying to build this as a business because that was never my intention. So I never consulted with anyone about building an actual business but from what i know from talking to freelancers it's very different than what i did if you build a business you you want to have stable income and that means you need a different approach to publishing you need a different approach to pricing 
you need a different approach to community building. Like I did community building where the communities already were and just use that because I didn't need my own place. Why would I? And if you want to build a business, then you want a way to um, to easily reach the people that follow you and, and enjoy your works. And you can only do that to a very specific degree uh, if you work in the forums or Facebook groups of other people. You want your own... I, Bale Fury Entertainment didn't have a Facebook page back then because it didn't need one. Why would it? So you want your own Facebook page. You ideally want your own forums for the people who, who enjoy forums. You may want a mailing list because apparently mailing lists are still a super important and, and mighty tool. And um, yeah, it's, it's a whole different, different approach. So what I did was I just wanted to make products that people enjoy. And if I could make back the money that I had to invest to purchase stock art to make it look a bit better, then that was a win in my, in, in my book. So I was very, very surprised that when I released Distant Journeys in the first month, it sold 103 copies. Um, that may not sound like much if you just throw it out as a number. But let me give you a bit of a, a bit of context for that. 101 sold copies it makes you a silver bestseller on Drive Through RPG, and that means you are part of. Hang on, I need I need to add up some. So that's two percent. That's five, six, thirteen. That is. You are part of a group of P of uh, the upper, I think, twenty six percent of sellers on Drive Through RPG. Seventy four percent of Drive Through RPG products sell less than one hundred and one copies. So that from the first thing I ever published was insane. I was I was I was just blown away. I was like, okay, cool. So that probably was kind of a fluke and uh, won't ever happen again and then the next month i sold 20 and i was like that's more like it and the next month i sold another 20 and then i sold 15 then i sold seven and then a big bundle came which uh, in which i put um that product and that sold a lot more but distant journeys has been selling ever since and there have been great months with around 30 copies sold there have been not so great months with around seven copies sold but it still sells to to this day and it has been out since april 2019 so for me as just somebody who just wanted to make back the money to purchase stock art that was insane and um then i released my second product uh fast lane hacking which is actually a an excerpt from sprawl runners it's the i have two systems to model hacking in sprawl runners a very fast one and one that is a bit more detailed it's plays still reasonably fast but with a bit more flesh to it and um i saw a lot of demand in in the communities for a fast hacking system it was like okay i have one it's just in this big product so Whatever. I'm just going to rip it up, package it up as, as its own thing. It's two pages, I think. For a slap a price tag on it, another dollar, go on swag. Cool. So um, 65 copies in, in the first month. 
22 in the next, and then 15 and 14 and 20. And the same thing happened again. Like it had a a reasonably good initial, I mean, it has it had a great initial run that was still copper bestseller in uh, in the first month, which is 51 uh, copies or more. And um and and from there it 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 keeps selling. And the funny thing is. It kept selling even after I released Sprawl Runners, and and on the on the page of of uh, of uh, not distant journeys on the page of, of Fast Lane Hacking, it says this is a subsystem of a big book. <laughs> so if you have purchased that book, you do not need it. And um, if you if but if you want a a fast hacking system and don't care for anything else, yeah, by all means, spend the dollar and and go ahead and buy it. And it keeps selling. I have had a single month since it released, also in April 2019, where I sold zero copies of of fast lane hacking. That was like okay, what the heck happened? But ever since then, it doesn't sell as much as Distance Journeys because fantasy is still the way bigger market. Like that's another good tip. Yeah, if you want to go into a pen and paper publishing for the money. Publish fantasy. You are not going to make money if you publish. Modern is eh, so-so, but if you go into sci-fi or cyberpunk or something, either you are um, uh, either you are cyberpunk red, or you're you're not gonna make enough money to make a living off of it. Sprawl Runner sold an insane amount, but that has other factors that contributed to that, which are absolutely not uh, rep- replicable. Is that a word for uh, for other people? I believe it, I wouldn't be able to replicate that. So yeah, it, it just it was that that once in a once in a lifetime moment kind of thing. Well, and you just kind of hit on the the long tail as they call it with uh, any product that uh, you know you had that initial burst. But it's amazing how long um, sales can go on for any of these products. It can go on for years and years and years um, of just steady. Uh, uh, sales and sprawl runners. I mean, I don't know if you're willing to share it. How many of those do you tend to sell per month right now? And it's been out for since 2019. Uh, um, the initials, um, I have to correct myself. I think the it says copyright 2019 because that is when I started to actually write and circulate oh. it. But the publishing date of sprawl runners was uh, November 2020. And um, I don't have a problem with talking about numbers. I kind of like them. Some people may think that is bragging. So all I can say, please believe me, this is not to brag. It's just to give context and explain. The In the initial month of uh, Sprawl Runners uh, being released, I sold 864 copies of that. <laughs> and that's what I mean with that is something I will never be able to replicate because that, to give you context for why I think that is uh, that number is so high. One factor is I was a known quantity, but also I had been drumming up hype and support for Sprawl Runners for two years at that point. Um, I had been feeding the hype train relentlessly. And also it fell into a time where Cyberpunk Red was announced, but hadn't been published yet. And Cyberpunk 2077 was drumming up insane awareness for the cyberpunk genre. So I believe the latter two are the biggest contributors to the numbers 
I sold with, with Sprawl Runners. Sprawl Runners to date is the only Savage Worlds Adventurers Guild product that ever made it into the global drive through RPG top 10. I made play seven for, I think, three weeks, which even thinking back, is, is it's it's just insane that that happened. And I, I firmly believe that it is a very solid product and it would have sold very well regardless because it is great and it is what people wanted. But without the contributing factors of the cyberpunk red release being imminent and people just wanting cyberpunk because of like cyberpunk red and cyberpunk 2077 it wouldn't have been nearly as successful as that so yeah a, a bit of luck can carry you a long way and uh, to get back to the original question um sprawl runners has a really really weird fluctuation in in sales uh it is bundled every now and then which kind of makes it a bit hard to say because i don't track that on this sales sheet so i don't know which of these months are, are um when it came bundled with uh with anything but um yeah just with the information that i sometimes bundle it which helps sales um which explains the ceiling uh, it usually sells between nine, 30 and 90 copies per month so yeah that is that is some more more fluctuation but yeah like last month february uh it wasn't bundled with anything so still sold uh 36 copies <laughs> well and and that's great and just like i said like the long tail of any product and uh, who knows like in the future uh, if you're going to put out a second edition of uh, Sprawl Runners, and that might uh, boost sales, but um, have what are your plans for it in the future? Like, have you have you thought about uh, where you'd like to do that, or are there other products that you're kind of kicking around? Um, that is a multifaceted question. Um, I will I will start at the beginning of your sentence. Sprawl Runners second edition. I've had thoughts about sprawl runner second edition because i keep looking over it again and again because of actual work i do with with it and um there it is very noticeable that it was originally written for savage worlds deluxe if you know where to look and how to look at it and it also shows that it was based on a product that was initially conceived when i wasn't as good a designer as i am now and i never made a clear cut and then just rebuilt it from the ground up with the knowledge i had at that point and i believe that shows and i believe if i were to do a, if i were to do a second edition it would be i'm not even sure i'm not sure if i would say it would be better it would be different if I, if I were to do a Sprawl Runner second edition, it would be very different than the product as it is right now, simply because with my knowledge about design increasing, my experience increasing, so also has my, um, my approach changed to how I handle certain things. So that's why it would be a very different book in, in a lot of aspects. Um, that is something I'm not currently working on because I have enough to do with, <laughs> uh, even without that. As I said, we I've been fighting to get this to print for the past two years, and we are uh, finally in the in the late stages of bringing it to 
um, to drive through RPG print print on demand. I have the the first two iterations of of um, print proofs are here. I, I wasn't really happy with them, so we are doing a second round. Those are in the mail, so I I hope they arrive soon. And if they are if they are more up to to the quality I expect, then yep, yeah, runners print on demand could be uh, around the corner. And what As the, for other things, what was I've, the, I've uh, teased. What was the issue that you kind of came across? Like, and just for other people, like when you got them in the mail, I'm sure you were excited to see the print on demand and what kind of, what, what, what weren't you happy with? Uh, Drive-through RPG uses a um, printing company in UK called Lightning Source and Lightning Source changed which paper they use a while ago. And the new paper has some very unique properties when it comes to ink absorption, which makes it a bit of a hassle to get the uh, color saturation of your print files just right. So it looks good on the paper they use. And the first iteration of the print proofs was very had very faded colors. It was still all perfectly recognizable but i felt like they they should pop a bit more like they won't ever be as pretty as they are if you print them on glossy paper because that's just because of the the, the paper that lightning stores uses but uh, i felt like if we adjust the color profiles a bit then it could look a bit better better is a subject as a subjective thing like there are a ton of, of print on demand products out there and people are perfectly happy with them but yeah, well, I, I had an idea of how I wanted to look and the first iteration wasn't it. So I uh, talked to my layout team and they adjusted the color profiles and talked to, to Drive-Thru RPG. So yeah, a big shout out to Meredith from uh, Drive-Thru RPG for guiding us through that. And yeah, even bigger shout out to uh, Charlotte from Airguardless, who uh, is uh, the amazing person doing uh, layout for me, which is another thing that I could only do because of, the success of Sprawl Runners because, well, having layout done professionally costs a lot of money if you pay out of pocket. So because of the success of Sprawl Runners, that was something, that was a decision I could make. It was like, yeah, I, I have this budget now I can work with. So I need this, the, the, I needed the full layout to be redone in InDesign so I could make print, make, make print, print files. And it was like, yep, yeah, I'm just going to hire someone to do it because I can afford it now. And that was a very, very pleasant feeling. <laughs> well, as for uh, other things, I have um, hinted from the day I released Sprawl Runners. I've hinted at a follow-up product called Running the Sprawl, which would be more of a design guide explaining my design choices in Sprawl Runners and teaching people how to use sprawl runners to run their own games because this is perfectly in line with how people have a misconception about about savage worlds being a generic system instead of a core system sprawl runners is a toolkit sprawl runners is not a setting sprawl runners does not provide a setting sprawl runners only provides mechanics and sprawl runners is supposed to be used by people in okay we take the core rulebook and we take sprawl runners and then we take both of those and mold them towards the setting we want to run with it so if you want to play shadowrun you will notice there is there are no rules for astral space in, in sprawl runners because i 
didn't agree with the concept. There is astral perception in it, but there, there are no rules for, for traveling through astral space and everything. You would have to add that on, to you, on yourself, which is easy enough to do. I just didn't have it in there because, I'm, because I made a very conscious choice of this is no longer Savage Shadowrun. It's now called Sprawl Runners. It's now mine. I am no longer tethered to everything that exists in Shadowrun. I can do with it what I want. And most of it I, I liked. But some stuff I never really enjoyed that much. And so I had the freedom to say, cool, so that's getting the boot. And Astral Space was uh, one, of the, one of those uh, things. And a lot of people ask me, yeah, cool. So when are you, are you going to do Wi-Fi rules for, for Sprawl Runners? I'm like, yep, never. Because I, I hate the concept and how it's done in most games and how it mostly becomes a, an, an arms race that is boring, in my opinion. A lot of people have a lot of fun with uh, Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi hacking in their games. And um, yeah, cool. Get Sprawl Runners, get the core book, build your, your vision of how ha Wi-Fi hacking works. I've given you the baseline and the tools to do so. Now you just need to slap on the correct layer of paint so that it it, it portrays the wi-fi hacking you do and um one of the a milestone i never had even had on my radar was when a fan approached me i was like dude i love sprawl runners i would like to publish a, a supplement for it i was like what sprawl runners is, is a supplement what are you talking about yeah i want i want to build on that and and publish a swag product that reference the sprawl runners and and bring something more on it and uh it, because it's not in there but my group really likes technomancers and i wrote something for it and i think it should go on swag so yeah how about it i'm like cool go ahead please insert this license text and link to sprawl runners and that's how magus rogue uh published his first swag product which is technomancers which is a, a supplement for a supplement which is insane when I think about it, but is also really, really cool. And I think it is a really great window into the Savage Worlds commu creator community. Like everybody builds of everybody. Like it's Sprawl Runners builds on the Savage Worlds core rulebook, but I also have stuff I've taken from ideas from uh, from Titan Effects, and they have taken some uh, some of those same ideas from a product uh, that is out of print, sadly, called Agents of Oblivion. And it's just a big circle of ideas, and everybody seems to be feeding of, of everyone else, which is uh, a really, really, really great community to, to come into. It has a downside because... So many people have been doing stuff for so long that if you come in and you have this awesome idea, then there's a good chance that people are going to tell you, oh yeah, that's been done in this and this way, check out this. And that can be disheartening and it can feel super condescending. And I can only give you my word, it's not how we mean it. We just want to save you the time to reinvent the wheel. Because a lot of stuff has been done already and tested and just works. So instead of just reinventing a cool mechanic, check if somebody has done it and then use that to do what you actually want to do. If you want to publish pure mechanics, then 
well, okay, then you need to check if it's already been done and maybe find a way to, to make it unique for you. That's a whole different thing and something I'm very keenly aware of because I do not publish settings. I suck at writing settings. So that is why I do only mechanics. Well, that was going to be my and next these, question to you was yeah. like, have you thought about uh, layering some more lore and settings on top of Sprawl Runners to, to make it uh, like a complete package? Yes, I had. Um, for Sprawl Runners, that was a non-issue. I never wanted any setting material in there. But um, ever since I've published it, people were like, cool, so when, when, when is the setting coming out for Sprawl Runners? And that led to some interesting developments and some problems. The interesting development was uh, I got some uh, some offers, some really great offers. So at the moment, I'm busy writing an adaptation for Sprawl Runners for the, uh, an official Ace setting, um, which it should be out. I think I think it's out. Uh, Stingers and Spores, in which you play insects in, in a world without humans. Humans have gone away, and you play literal sentient insects. It's a very very small world with very very interesting time frames because insects perceive time different. It's awesome. The guy who does it is super knowledge. I think he works with, with insects. I've, I forgot the an entomologist, I think I it think is. I think that's right, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, he knows his insects and it shows in the book and it, it is just a love letter to insects in a fantasy world. It's great. And um, on a podcast I run with a friend, we reviewed Stingers and Spores and I joked I made a joke, like a, not really a throwaway joke, but I just make, made a, an off remark about, man, that was that would be so cool to have a future vision of that. Just dial it up, dial it forward 2000 years and run this with straw runners. And my friend was like, yeah, we could call it hive runners. And I was like, oh, dude, that's amazing. <laughs> and like two weeks later, I get an email. It's like, yeah, I listened to your podcast episode. Would you like to like to write that? Oh, oh, what I, I have, a, I've had a lot of those moments over the past years. So yeah, we, we talked and, um, and talked it through and uh, signed a contract. And yeah, I'm writing the official Sprawl Runner supplement for Stingers and Spores called Hive Runners, which will give you an overview of the history of the insect kingdoms a few thousand years into the future and how it all went to absolute shit because that is that is what cyberpunk does it it makes everything go kaput and uh, and dirty and gritty and grimy and provide um rules updates and adaptations so people can use stingers and spores and combine it with with sprawl runners to run insect cyberpunk um adventures wow. so that is and that is going to be the first official setting uh, released for sprawl runners so yeah, uh, the first official setting for Sprawl Runners is not going to be my own, <laughs> which I'm perfectly fine with. Um, but yeah, a lot of people kept asking for an official Sprawl Runner setting. So I started gathering ideas and it took ages because I may have mentioned I'm shit at writing settings and coming up with stuff that hasn't been done already. I'm really good at looking at stuff that's already there and then modifying it to do something it couldn't before or, um, or, or in a different way and show new approaches. So that is reflected in the, the mechanic, mechanical products I, I released. Distant Journeys and Fast Lane Hacking, they 
don't do anything new. They just tell you how to use established systems in a certain new way that either hasn't been done before or at least hasn't been publicly documented before. So the process of making or even coming up with, with initial ideas for my own setting took a long time and I'm still not really that far. I think at this point I have species and half a page of loosely connected notes and a single plot point for the plot point campaign. The idea was to make running the sprawl and then apply everything I write in the book and explain in the book by showing, okay, and this is how you make how, how you would make a setting with it. And then just guide people through the creation of an example setting, which would then be the official sprawl runner setting, I guess. And um, use that uh, and, and use a, a mini setting for it. So it wouldn't be a full full setting book with, with nine, 90 pages player's guide and 90 pages GM's guide. I, I, I wouldn't be able to do that. There's, there's just no way I hold everybody who can even write a, a 60 page setting book in the absolute highest possible <laughs> regards. The creativity of those people to me is something I literally cannot comprehend because I could never do it. And, and, there's, and there's probably people though that look at your skill set and go, I can't do that. And so it's nice to see that kind of partnership being able to happen. And it looks like, uh, or sounds like the community is really open to that in the Savage Worlds areas. And and maybe, you know, I guess we're heading to our close here, but where where can people find you and uh, the communities that you've been talking about uh, as far as Savage Worlds and Sprawl Runners? Well, um, the the Savage Worlds communities you can find mostly on the official uh, Savage Worlds Facebook group, and also on the unofficial Savage Worlds Discord server. I think both of them are linked on the uh, Pinnacle Facebook page, but if not, just search for it just just google it they're both really easy to find i am on the uh, i am on on both of them and i'm also in the pinnacle forums i'm on the savage world subreddit and a few other th <laughs> locations that i probably forgot right now uh Bale fury entertainment uh, itself has a facebook page which i monitor and uh i am myself on facebook uh, obviously but the main hub of activity and uh, interconnectivity and creativity happening around Sprawl Runners is happening on the official Veiled Fury Entertainment Discord server, which you probably should also Google or just go in the Veiled Fury Entertainment Facebook page and click the link there because, well, I'm not big enough to have a fancy invite link. It's still just upper and lowercase letters and numbers, sadly. Well, I'll make sure all those links are in our, in the show notes in the, the video description, and uh, hopefully uh, people can connect with you. And uh, if maybe they have a, a setting that they want to pitch to you, and you can help them out and and go from there. But uh, I really want to say thank you for sharing so much of the uh, behind the scenes work and uh, what it takes to develop your products. Because as you know, on our channel, there's probably a lot of aspiring designers and. Uh, uh, even myself, I went, you know, Savage Worlds to me is a very interesting uh, game mechanics and but you kind of don't know where to enter into if you were ever going to use it in your own design. So it's very nice to have some uh, expert advice for that. So thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you very much uh, for having me. And yep, to anyone out there, 
trying to get into the the community and trying to get into the design space uh it's easy and it's a lot easier than you think as soon as you understand savage worlds and that is not hard either perfect well once again uh manuel thank you uh very much appreciated thank you